What up artists? My name is Dwayne Jones. I'm the creative director and founder of a lifestyle brand called Art Pays Me. This is the Art Pays Me podcast and I'm passionate about finding ways that people like you and me can make a living for ourselves off of our creativity and you know maybe we can make the world a better place at the same time. Let's get into it. Welcome to Art Pays Me. Today we have Emmanuel Nwagbo. Actually, is that how I pronounce it? Uh, pretty close. It's uh, Wombo. Wombo. Okay, Wombo. Yes. All right, cool. So we ended up, I'll tell you, we first met uh, for Atlantic Fashion Week. You actually modeled for me. but Yes. Um, <laughs> I, I actually knew about you before that because I saw you in the NASCAD wearable art show and you were modeling there. And just out of curiosity, I was looking at who the people in the show and I saw you had, uh, you were actually a student at NASCAD and you had been doing some work. So when I saw you pop up in the Atlantic Fashion Week casting, I was like, I always want to actually like work with people who are actually artists as much as possible. So you were, um, yeah, an automatic for me. So what is it exactly that you do? Okay, so I do a lot of things. Uh, so right now, I'm actually a graphic designer. Okay. So I, I work for a company as a graphic designer here in uh, Montreal. Mm-hmm. But uh, on the side, uh, out of work, I, I, I'm also a visual artist. So I do a lot of uh, digital arts. I've also done some modeling shows. I haven't done any since I moved to Montreal, but because of COVID and everything. And uh, those are the two main things that I do. Uh, the visual arts, uh, that's kind of where I go crazy and just do pretty much anything I like. And uh, graphic design is more for work. That's kind of what pays the bills uh, at this point. Right. Uh, yeah. Yeah, your um, your pieces are actually wild. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. How are you How are you coping with uh, this climate we're in with uh, Corona and everything? Montreal got hit pretty hard, huh? Yeah, I it uh, the year started off really nicely for me, and then March just happened. And as at the time we went into like uh, quarantine, there was like seven hundred cases, and now it's like over fifty thousand. So, jeez, like, pretty bad. And uh, I don't think it's things are going to be open up soon. In fact, my company we thought we we're going to be resuming work. That's uh, in the office yesterday, but that's Monday. But uh, we got an email from the boss, and he said that he didn't get confirmation from the government, so we have to wait now. So, yeah, who knows? Uh, everything has been canceled, all like the festivals and everything. And when I moved here in November, everyone kept telling me that you have to experience the summer in Montreal because of all the festivals, all the things that happened in the summer. So I was actually looking forward to the summer. That's right. Yeah. So you didn't even get the ah. Oh. Man, <laughs> yeah, um, and you know, Montreal is one of my favorite places in the world too. So, like, it it is an amazing spot. You you speak French? Uh, no, I don't. I I was supposed to start classes in March, but uh, that didn't happen. Uh, okay, okay. Yeah. And um, so you were at NASCAD when I encountered you, and you you had a master's degree at NASCAD. 
Yes, yeah, so I actually I, I went to NASCAR between 2014 and 2016. So I I only came in to do like uh I initially I did like a post baccalaureate in design, mm-hmm. and then after that I did like a one year master's degree in design. That that uh, that was my. It was at uh, it was during the master's program I met uh, one of the uh, designers at that fashion and that at that NASCAR show she was. Uh, working in the she was actually a student in the fashion department so i just happened to run into her and she just asked me if i was interested and mm-hmm. so that's how i ended up doing the show in so i did the show in 2015 2016 2017 and 2018 for like different designers right right so so that's cool so um what was it was that your first time modeling uh yes, actually, I I, I had done like photo shoots, but mm-hmm. I've I've never actually done like actual runway stuff. So that was actually pretty uh, unnerving. As mm-hmm. as, yeah, yeah, but it's it's cool. I I've done a few of them, and I like you know once you do once you get up there, I find it's not as bad as you think it's gonna be. Well, the thing is, I wear glasses, so my eyes I can't really see uh, things uh, far away without my glasses. Ah, so. When when I have my glasses, say everything is just one big blur. So, <laughs> right. So you couldn't even see the crowd or anything like that. Exactly. That's how that's how I do presentation. So I just take off my glasses and I can't see anyone. Got you. Got you. Yeah. So um, we're in the climate of uh, basically Black Revolution right now. <laughs> yes. So um, how are you, how are you feeling about all of this stuff that's going on? Are you are you taking things well or are you coping okay well uh it uh, a few the few weeks when uh when our mod uh got uh when their mod video got linked online that one kind of hit me really hard because it's like he was just like jogging down the street i could have literally been anyone jogging any black person jogging down the street that would have been modded right yeah so that one like really hit me hard and the fact that the 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 cops had the video for like two, three months and they didn't do anything about it. Yep. It's just mind blowing. So that one, like for that, for a week or two, I was like pretty affected by that. And then uh, when the George Floyd uh, case happened, that one wasn't too surprising because the cops have been doing that for years and getting away with it. Like there's, there's so many videos of like, uh, I forget the other guy that was uh, killed in 2014. The, Eric the- Garner? Eric Garner, yeah, where the cops like choked him out. Like they've been yep. doing that for years. Yep. Just that. Uh, but I, I don't know, for some reason, like this George Floyd one really hits people really hard. Mm-hmm. And I'm, I'm really, really happy because every every so often something bad like this happens and everyone like these riots. Well, I feel like this one is like, actually very different than the rest of it. Yeah, I've been talking about this quite a bit too. And I I think the difference is like you said, when Ahmad happened, uh, I think almost every black person I know was like pissed off. Like, how the hell does this? And, you know, we, while you're surprised, you're not that surprised. Uh, but for whatever reason, with George Floyd, I think lots of non-black people started to get enraged, too. Yeah. And I think that seems to be the tipping point of why all of this stuff is happening. And um, I I love that. We finally stopped at, you know, kill, not killing black people is is not enough. Like we need more, and people are requesting more in terms of equality and representation and all of that kind of stuff. 
So there have to be riots for the uh, for the for the cop to even get charged. He right. he did this. He got fired. He got suspended at first, mm-hmm. which is just ridiculous. And uh, later, I found out that he had like eighteen different like complaints against him, including him killing uh, a, a a native person like a few years ago too. Well, I didn't know that. He be a cop. Wow. So, well, somehow he 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 was a cop for like almost twenty years. So. Yeah, the the whole thing was uh, pretty like uh, pretty rough. Uh, I haven't really like encountered uh, like felt like racism in my face like in a lot in Canada. Like most people, it's more like low key. Mm-hmm. Like uh, I used to work at a hotel, and there was like a few incidents there that I felt felt like it had everything to do with race. Yes, even though everyone thought I was a crazy person for thinking so. Mm-hmm. But uh, I haven't, I've been lucky enough where I haven't had anything major happen to me. But I also think that uh, v- that videos, like videos becoming popular is like the game changer now. Because pretty much everything is on video these days. Mm-hmm. If the whole uh, George Floyd murder wasn't on video, it would all be eyewitness. And the cops can just see whatever they like. Exactly. Yeah. But um, you you bring up a, a great point about how racism often, not in every situation, but it often plays out in Canada because people are so politically correct and aware of how to, um, I don't know, subtly do things. You do sometimes feel crazy, like a crazy person when you experience something. You're like, was that racism or am I crazy? Or I know that was racism. And people are telling me I'm crazy. Like, what is going on? And you, you, you have this like conf- confused feeling often. You're just being gaslit all the time. Yeah, that's true. Um, so you and I both went to NASCAD, and yeah. when I was there, there weren't too many people that looked like us there. Has, has that changed? Uh, so okay. My- so while I was at NASCAD, there was uh, four black people. Okay. In the whole school or just like in your department? So in my old department, there was no black person there. Oh, wow. Uh, so in, the, in the Masters of Design program, we started with about 16 people and there was no black person there. And even the, the fine arts masters, there was also no black person there. The whole like design department, I think I saw one black person. That was it. The only other black person that I know was Shia. I don't know if you know Shia. So she was at NASCAR at that time. Yeah, uh, yeah. Yeah, so she like we were like four black people at that time. I don't I don't know if it's gonna change change because even when I did my uh, post grad post grad in in Europe, it was also the same uh, problem too, where there were like barely any black people. Mm-hmm. Because even from coming from Nigeria, you tell your Nigerian parents that you're gonna go study arts. Everyone looks at you like you're crazy. Mm-hmm. Actually, how are you going to make money? Even though it's uh, it's 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 kind of uh, the case is kind of different these days, especially because a lot of people back home are like engineers, doctors, but they, no one has no one has any money because these the, those industries are so saturated. So if you do something not related, you have actually have a higher chance of making money. I find. Ah, uh, that's interesting. Yeah, but the mentality is still there. So a lot of. Uh, a lot of uh, Africans are not encouraged to do the arts, so that's why there are so few African artists. Mm-hmm. And I also find that the case is the same here with also black people here. A lot of black people are not encouraged to do the arts. It's always go good. 
could do medicine or law or something like that. Mm -hmm. It's almost like a, a survivalist mentality of get the thing that's going to elevate you to the next exactly. level. Guarantee your job, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Did you ever find that, um, was it uncomfortable for you in that situation or just in all of your education in general, it's just an experience you're used to? Uh, yeah, I was just, uh, by the time I got to NASCAR, I was just used to being like the only black person there. Yeah. So it wasn't much of a big deal. But my class wasn't so bad because uh, half of the class was, ch was also Chinese students. Mm -hmm. And then there was, and there was someone from Saudi and there was someone from I Iran. So it kind of like helped that I wasn't like the only like international student. Yeah. 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 But that's cool. Like, yeah, when I was there, there wasn't as much international representation either. Uh, there was, we did have some German exchange students in, in the program I was in at one point. And then we had Mexican exchange students as well. And I did find that, like, having them enriched uh, things quite a bit and understanding how they see design and how it, in fact, how it, how it affected, like, the solutions they came up with was was always interesting. I think it's very like important to have like uh, international students, and I also think NASCAR discovered that this that they make all their money from international students because uh, they go to China every year now. Ah, okay. And yeah, they go to go bring China Chinese students. And uh, when I was also uh, NASCAR, I was also like a research assistant for one of my lecturers, and he's. Uh, one of the big projects I worked on was like going to like language schools in Halifax and like talking to uh, the students there mm -hmm. about NASCAR. It, it was almost like a recruitment kind of job, but not really. So mm -hmm. you're just going there and like talking to, chatting with them about NASCAR, trying to like ask, talk to the people that are interested in NASCAR and just chat with them, tell them your experiences at NASCAR. I even did a presentation one time just showing them some of the stuff that I was in at NASCAR. So. I think they're beginning to understand that there's a lot of money to be made and it's probably benefiting them also like from having like uh, international students bring like a different perspective to like the solutions. Like even like the uh, thesis that we did, uh, they insisted that everyone did something from their country. Mm -hmm. So it was actually like pretty interesting, like learning about different social problems that different countries are facing. Ah, okay. Cool. Yeah. So um, what ended up leading you to go to Montreal? Uh, I've, I, I, I never had like any like long-term plans to live in Halifax. Mm -hmm. I only got stuck there because of uh, uh, PR. So when I left in school, in, when I left NASCAR in 2016, uh, I started like trying to get my PR. I first got the three-year like uh, work permit. So the stream that I was going through at that time, the I needed like a year of work experience and uh, for, I think over 1,500 hours. So by the time I worked for one year and all the time it took to like cut out the documents and everything, I just, it, everything, the total time I spent working on that PR was almost three years. So mm -hmm. that's how I ended up staying in Halifax for five years. But my plan was only to like move to like, uh, not, not necessarily a big city, but a city that was like more culturally diverse. Yeah. And Montreal just seems like the best option uh, mm -hmm. for that. And honestly, we should have moved sooner because I kept, I got really comfortable in Halifax. So even when I got my PR in 2018, I kind of just relaxed a little bit. Mm. But then in uh, in March, I applied for this like program uh, at Banff, 
I don't know if you know uh, the Banff uh, Center for Art. No. Uh, so I applied for a program in Banff. Banff is in uh, Alberta. So I applied for that program. And the program, uh, I made it to like the final three candidates. They had like a whole interview. And it was like a multimedia like uh, practicum. So you kind of get paid to like work on like uh, movie sets and like work with like different like producers and stuff like that. So it was actually a good program that was going to benefit me like networking wise. Mm-hmm. So we made it to the final three and then I got rejected. They chose mm-hmm. someone else. And I already had, had my mind set on Ju- uh, July, uh, July 5th, 2019. I was like, um, I'm moving to Bath. That was the whole plan. So when I got rejected, I was like, oh man. But because I already had my mind on moving, so I still looking at other options. So I went to Nigeria in August. I came back in September and I just like, you know what, October 1st, I'm moving to Montreal. So that's what I did. Mm, okay. And so I'm getting a sense from you that you were the type of kid that was a little bit rebellious. Like you don't, you don't seem to be phased by uh, obstacles that are put in front of you. Is that the case? I, I don't, I don't, I wasn't rebellious. I don't, I wasn't too rebellious as a kid because as you know, like, uh, like just a lot of like Nigerian or African households are just like very conservative. Hmm. So I wasn't very rebellious. I was more of, I was very stubborn. I okay. got into a lot of trouble when I was growing up. But, uh, but what happened was I kind of had to learn, learn this uh, along the line. Cause when I got into college, I was only like 16, like hmm. right before my 17th birthday, I got into college. And so me, I remember the first day when with my dad. So my dad accompanied me to school because I wasn't, I was still a minor. Mm. So I remember getting to school. That was like the first time in my life that I was like alone, alone in the sense that I couldn't like call my parents if I was in trouble or anything. So I I remember the first night that uh, my, my I went out with my roommate at that time. It was like two in the morning and like nobody was like calling me or like, messaging me where are you or anything like that i it actually felt really nice so mm. yeah so i kind of like learned how to like just uh, uh avoid obstacles in general yeah and i also have the mentality where i don't worry about things that don't i can't control if it's if i can't control it i don't i don't have a, have it bother me mm-hmm. yeah got you got you so like that's interesting uh so so with with some of the systemic things that are happening against black people, you find that it helps you to deal with it by saying, look, I can't control it, but here's what I'm going to do instead. Yeah. So, so that's the, uh, I think it's the way like Nigeria, because I've been, I've been paying attention to a lot of Nigerians online mm-hmm. that live in Canada or the U S how like the, I also have some friends that live in the U S too, how yeah. they've been like dealing with the situation. Mm-hmm. The thing is like a lot of Nigerians are just like used to like things being tough in general. Like yeah. if you, like, if you like grew up in Nigeria, like things are like really, really tough. Like even, even for people that are like rich or like comfortable, like you still have to navigate your way through all the like hardship. Gotcha. So like if you like grow up in Nigeria at any point in time, like you're kind of used to like things not being straightforward. Like everything in Nigeria is an extra step. Mm-hmm. Like the school that I went to, the the high school that I went to was like a federal high school or like a public school, federal public school. And that school, like 
they, they didn't pay any, you didn't pay any fees. Mm -hmm. The only fee you paid was like the PTA levy, which was like super cheap. Right. So like everyone wanted to go to that school, but the school like had like some sort of prestige. So you had to like write exams and get certain grades. But even to get into the high school, like people were like putting up, paying under the table bribes and stuff just for their kids to get into that school. So wow. you could pass the exam and still not get into the school. Right, right. So everything in Nigeria is just like an extra step. So a lot of people, a lot of Nigerians are kind of like just used to like things being difficult. So I feel like a lot of, a lot of Nigerians are not as phased as like people that grew up here because mm. we're just like used to like things just not going our way. Plus Nigeria is also like one of the most hated like African countries in general. Like when you have, <laughs> if you have that green passport, like it's trouble. And that's like... generally... <laughs> Why yeah, is it the Nigerian scammer thing? Is that what it is? Because, because of the Nigerian scammer things, like a lot of like Nigerians have like messed up our name real bad. Mm. It's not we haven't like done enough a lot of damage in Nigeria, but if you like go to like places like US, like even like Turkey, like London, like once you see that, once they see that green passport, like I remember in 2011 while I was at at a talk airport in Istanbul, they had like a special like search room for Nigerians and Iranians. Oh no like, way. Yeah, like the you you go in there and they almost get you naked just to search you. So and it's because of the scammers and because of drugs. Mm. Like they don't like uh, drug traffickers because everyone is trying to like hustle and like make make money real quick. Right. So we're already used to like being at a disadvantage. So I feel like that, that's like affecting like a lot of perspectives. But I've lived here long enough where I know that I've been comfortable enough where I know when things are not like going my way. Yeah. Yeah. Gotcha. So, so that's so that's so that's how I see it. All right. So, taking it back to Halifax, you were the um, Coast uh, Best Visual Artist in 2019 winner. Yes. So, how was that? Did you have to like campaign to win that, or? Was... Uh, so what happened with that was so uh, in 2018, I did uh, I did like uh, like a year long project where every single day of the year I made like an artwork and that mm -hmm. kind of blew up beyond like I didn't even, when I started the project I only started doing it because uh, it's just something I've always wanted to do a daily project and it's like a huge challenge like making something every single day yeah but it blew up because what I was doing was um, I'm a huge like James Bond fan so what I did was I made like a list of like 365 James Bond like characters from the movies because mm -hmm. it's been like over like 24 uh, 24 movies and there's like over 500 characters. So I made a list and every single day I would make a poster based on each character. So I, I so the first month, I started the first month, I, I wasn't really sure what I would do with the project. So I just kept doing, doing and doing it. And then in February of 2018, the coast like reached out to me mm. and they asked if I wanted to be on the cover of like the, uh, of their new art magazine, on the new art uh, newspaper. So I agreed yeah. and I did an interview with them. And so the interview went well, and then I got like in, like got like new following, like from people in Halifax. And then the next month, CBC reached out to me, and I did like a whole like video interview with them and everything. So that kind of brought me more eyes. And then in June, I did an interview with like this French newspaper in France, and all of a sudden I had this oh I had all these French followers on Instagram. So that kind of like helped me like blow up a little bit. Mm. But then it meant that there was more people looking at me, so I couldn't like just 
<laughs> I didn't have as much freedom as I thought I had. So, ah, okay. Yeah. And I, I kind of, as, and the, one of the goals of the project was to like improve my like technical skills in general and like be able to like think on the spot because there's some days that I had three, four hours to do the project. And there were some days I only had one hour. So it's like how fast can I think, execute project. So I, but as the month went by, you can actually see like the quality of the project improving. So I kind of reached the point where like I set like really high standards for myself that I had to maintain. Mm-hmm. So whatever happened that day, I had to find a way to like maintain that standard. So that kind of like helped me like get popular, like a little bit in Halifax. And so when I got like a nominator for the awards and I put up, I just put up a link on my Facebook and like the response I got to like pretty shocking. So Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was actually, I didn't know that I had a chance, but uh, yeah, when I when I saw the response that I got on the post, then I kind of knew that I was going to win. Right. Now, the work is incredible. I, I was a big fan. And uh, what what made you incorporate yourself into so many of those pieces? Uh, so, so, <laughs> so I like to do a lot of like uh, tongue-in-cheek uh, humor. Yeah. And I find that, so the, the I, because I do a lot of collage, so it's either you, you're spending a lot of money buying like stock images, yeah, or I use myself. If I use myself, then I don't have to pay anyone for copyright and stuff like that. So right. that's why I buy a lot of my pictures. I honestly speaking, I rather not use myself because I don't like to put myself out there like that. I like to like hide behind my my work. But we, but using myself, then I get to avoid all the like copyright nonsense that, that happens. Because mm-hmm. even when you buy pictures from this site. Some of them have like very strict guidelines to how they want those pictures being used. Right. And I know a few people that have got into trouble for like using pictures that they actually bought, but they were not allowed to use it the way they used it. So mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. That's it's funny you say that because I find like a lot of uh people, creatives, designers have, especially in my space in the clothing area, they don't really have any concept of you, know, you can't just take a photo from the internet and put it on your t-shirt and sell it. You, know, you can't do that. Um, <laughs> so like, you know, and they haven't blown up enough, I guess, because they haven't gotten in trouble for it. But I'm like, mm-hmm. all it takes is for one celebrity or somebody like that to pick up your shirt and you're going to get your ass in trouble. It, so. It's it very like, uh, I, I kind of like, I, I, I learned a lot about like copyrights, like when I was in the James One project, because I was mm-hmm. using a lot of like uh, stock photos yeah. from. So you have to like alter the picture enough because usually it's a lot of the photographers that will get into trouble mm-hmm. because the person would say, oh, that's, that's my picture. I took that picture. Right. But you have to alter the picture enough where it doesn't look like the picture the person took. Mm-hmm. If you don't, if you're just taking off people, if you're just taking pictures online, taking pictures off Google and just putting it on shirts, like eventually you're going to get into trouble. That's that's usually what happens. Like people have gotten into trouble because they made like parodies of already existing designs and Mm -hmm. the owners of the designs were like, no, you can't do that. Yeah. So what are some of your influences? Uh, Like, uh, like design wise. Yeah. Design, even art, whatever, like visual influences. yeah, so uh, I'm 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 very big on like uh, pop art, like okay. uh, from the '60s. Uh, I also like uh, surrealism, 
unfortunately, I don't do drugs, so <laughs> I, 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 so it's, it's a little difficult to, to pursue like uh, surrealism, but I really love surrealism. Hmm. Uh, like uh, the Dali is like one of my all-time favorites because his stuff is just like mind blowing. But yeah. I, but you kind of know that he was on something. Like, there's no way you could do that to the Clermite. Yeah, you, you so know. I also like. <laughs> go, go ahead. So I also like. Uh, I also follow a lot of like uh, early like 20th century stuff, like uh, Dada, and uh, even like uh, when it comes to design, I like like uh, the early like Bahas and like uh, stuff like that. So those are the things that like I kind of like draw inspiration from. Mm-hmm. Right. So like, <laughs> I'm I'm the same way. I'm a drug free person but every now and then like i'm a little jealous of people who do drugs because i'm like they're tapping <laughs> they, they seem like they're tapping into something and i'm like oh yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah there are some things you see you're like there's no way that this person did this like so far it's not possible <laughs> yeah yeah so i'm like here i am i'm trying to rely on meditation and all this other stuff to like go to a different mental space and they just they pop something and they're there so um <laughs> Yeah. So, do you, are you able to sell your these any of these as prints? Has anyone approached you about that? So I've actually I have, I made a little bit of money from like uh, from the James Bond stuff specifically. Mm-hmm. Uh, a lot of people like reached out to me and like I was able to like sell. So initially I was using uh, uh, Etsy, but Etsy were like uh, getting a little greedy with the commissions. Gotcha. So I started like doing like. Uh, just uh, printing them myself and selling to people, and I find that it's actually like pretty easy that way. Mm-hmm. So I've actually made a lot of sales, but I'm not. I don't really push selling it because I'm not. That's not really why I did that project specifically. I only did. I I did it to like just improve my skills and get better. And honestly speaking, like from like a technical perspective, a lot of the stuff that I did like in early 2018. In my eyes, they haven't like aged well because I'm like I've gotten like so much better mm. just from like doing like a lot of stuff. So like even like looking back when I get like the Facebook memories and I like I did this like two years ago, I'm like, that's a little rough. Mm. So so that's why. And I I if if, if it does it has to like look a certain way in my eyes for me to like want to sell it to people. And then like a lot of people like don't have the eyes. They just mm-hmm. like it because it's they think it's cool. Yeah. But it has to look a certain way in my eyes for me to like want to like give it to someone. Yeah, I mean, but that's fine. That's that shows that you're doing what you're supposed to do. You're always supposed to look back and and see that you improved and progressed. So you're on the right track. Yes, thank you. Yeah, like um, I, I I deal with that with my clothing brand too. Like I have older designs that people keep wanting me to bring back, and I'm just like, I don't believe in that anymore. I don't. Yeah, it's it's all in the past now. Yeah. <laughs> Especially like the woke related stuff. I'm like, yes. I'm just tired of talking about wokeness and all of that. It's like passe to me. I think it's also because it's like really oversaturated. And a lot of people don't really know what it means. Yeah. They just, yeah, they just go with the flow. Yeah. So um, what what kind of challenges do you find? Like, Is there something about this industry that you generally find difficult? Um. I, I think that it's there's so many like quacks out there mm. because uh, I, I feel like art is a little different in the sense that a lot of people have that like skill, like you're born with that talent already. So it's 
a lot of people are just good even without like any formal education. Mm-hmm. But with design, it's like a super specific skill that a lot of people like have not learned formally. Mm-hmm. They just like you can. I, I learned a lot of stuff from YouTube. Like most of the stuff I learned are from YouTube. Mm-hmm. But if you haven't like really done any formal education, there are certain things that I find that people are missing. And there are a lot of like a lot of people break the rules. Like breaking the rules is fine, but you kind of have to know the rules. Mm-hmm. So I find that because there are a lot of quacks and a lot of people, like just the general public, don't understand like the importance of like good design. Mm-hmm. So they end up they find they find themselves like because it's when you so when you actually charge them for like good design, they think it's too expensive, mm-hmm. and so they end up paying uh, these people that are not very good, mm-hmm. and. So you have a lot of like substandard designs floating about. Like I've had people reach out to me and like give them the price and they were like, oh, like I had, and then they show me something that someone else did for them and they tell me that it was so much cheaper. I'm like, yeah, because that, the, the work the person did for you was not, it's not that, it's not that good. Like from a design perspective, it's not, there's like a lot of things that are missing from it. That's why it's a lot cheaper. Mm-hmm. Plus a lot of people that lent from like just YouTube in general, and they just pick up their computer and they just start designing. They, they don't put a lot of value in their work or mm-hmm. they're doing it for quick work. Like honestly, sometimes a lot of people are just doing it like just for the hustle, right? So yes, yeah. They, they just want some quick money, which is also fine too. But it kind of like affects like how a lot of like designers in general like are priced. A lot of people think that you're too expensive or it's like, why is it so expensive? Or their perspective on the design changes. Like there's this, um, uh, there's this. I'm part of like a uh, few like Nigerian design groups, and so there's this uh, thing going on in Nigeria where, so there are these designers where they make like they make like really really substandard logos because the person like they, they charge like really low, so someone likes charging like five dollars to make a logo. Right. Like you know what you're paying for. Like if yeah. if you pay five dollars for a logo, I don't think you expect it much. So they they make these really cheap logos, but then they find like really really like. Uh, these really, really slick looking mock-ups and they put mm-hmm. the logo in the mock-ups and they mm-hmm. send like the mock-ups to the, to the clients. So the clients are like super impressed. Right. And then some clients actually think the mock-up is the logo. Mm. So there are these like mock-ups like that, like turn the logo into like some sort of 3D looking uh, logo. Yes. So some clients think it's the mock-up. So then I've had people like reach out to me, sending me like pictures and say, and they tell me, can you make a logo that looks like this? I'm like, <laughs> I like the, you can't you can't do that because you have it, firstly you're trying to start up like a clothing brand so and you can't print that on the shirt like that's gonna look horrible <laughs> on the shirt <laughs> and then you get into a whole argument to them and they tell you oh that that's what they want blah 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 and sometimes they don't even tell you at first when you send them the logos you've done they're like I want it to look like this I'm like and then you try to explain to them that it's not a logo that that's a mock-up and they yeah. don't get it yeah, so. that's, that's a three-dimensional uh, <laughs> yeah. CAD drawing or something. Uh, yeah, that's not how it works. Oh man! So uh, when I moved uh, when I moved to Montreal in October, uh, so I, it took me three months to like get like a design job because what I did uh, was in Halifax. I never worked. I never had like a full-time design job. I, I always had like uh, part-time jobs and like just freelance gigs. Mm-hmm. So when I moved here, I decided I wanted to like try out like I wanted like a full time job that was actually like decent and I would like. So it took me about three months to get the job. So in that time, I was doing like a lot of freelance stuff. And honestly speaking, it's not easy. 
Mm. I, I was kind of lucky because I kind of have connections already. I already know some people, so it's yeah. a lot easy. If you're like just coming straight out of school and you want to like just go straight into freelance, like you're going to have a hard time. Mm. Like you're going to need like like maybe one or two day jobs to survive because it's not like, it's not easy. Right. So yeah. do, you, do you feel like uh, design and art schools, they should do more to prepare students for that reality of what it's going to be like when you graduate? I, uh, honestly, I think like a lot of art schools, like from what I saw at NASCAD, it's a lot of like they said, what they're doing there, it's a lot of like, I feel like they, they live in La La Land. Mm. But it's like, oh, oh, there's like so much focus on the technical stuff and there's mm-hmm. no focus on actual like business on the business side of things. Mm-hmm. Like I went to two design schools and at no point in time did anyone like, did I even have a course where, where they taught you how to like price yourself? Like, okay, how do you price your hours? Like, I had to learn that online. Yeah. Like nobody's going to tell you, okay, this is how much you charge per hour. This is how much you charge for this. Like nobody's going to, but that's half of the job, right? How pricing is half of the job. But like nobody teaches you that. It's all about, oh, how does the logo look? How does the poster look? Like, Mm -hmm. so I feel like a lot of these, that that is lacking like in a lot of like art and design schools. Like the same like art to like, the, the artwork, like nobody like is teaching the financial side of this. Like if I left NASCAR today, how am I going to make money from this? All this skill that I acquired, I feel like that's lacking in like a lot of art schools. Right, it's like business is a bad a bad word or a dirty word in, in a lot of a lot of ways. Yeah, but you have to like you need money, so <laughs> yeah, you're gonna, to, you're gonna have to sell your stuff. Yeah, exactly, exactly. And I, I found that when I went to school too, it was just, and I, to be honest, I have to, I put some blame on myself because I was so focused on design and being the best creative and all the business stuff I didn't think was relevant to me. I thought I would just get hired because I was dope and I graduated. Yeah, but, but you know, yeah, but you know, but you know it's, uh, I feel like that's, it's kind of what the, the school like puts into you in that sense mm-hmm. where like they don't. They kind of focus too much on the creative aspect of it. Mm-hmm. So, like, no, like I feel like I feel like the business part of it should like go hand in hand. They should they should be pushing that from like year one. Yeah, I agree. Because, like you said, most of us come into the school already having a certain level of talent. So, um, it doesn't take that much to nurture talent, even technical skills. Like, you can learn a, a, a program on your own, but like sometimes yeah. having that hands on business knowledge is extremely helpful and and learning from actual industry people to say look this is what you should charge this is what you shouldn't this is how you promote your work this is this is uh etsy this is cargo collective this is behance this is yeah you know honestly i also think it's because a lot of like the lecturers are not don't have their own personal practice Mm. A lot of them have just been stuck in the academic system for like so long. So even a lot of them, I don't think they would know how to teach that if right. they were made to teach it. Right, right. And yeah. I, I don't honestly, like when it comes to like something like design, I don't know why someone that doesn't have, that doesn't have like real world like uh, experience or like someone that, have, that doesn't have their own personal practice. I don't know why they would, they should be teaching. Like I feel like most design teacher should probably be part-time in general. Like I had this like really good teacher at NASCAR that he was like part-time. He had his own like design company. Mm-hmm. So like when we did project in class, like he's like talking from like, I spoke to, the, this is like, this is what I, this is the conversation I had with the client yesterday. 
Mm-hmm. Right. Like very different. Yes. Because that's exactly what you're going to be doing when you leave, right? Yeah. Yeah. That's a, I agree with you 100%. And if I, I've been considering what it might look like if I were to teach, and I think the same thing. If I ever decided to, I don't think I would ever give up my practice. I would um, find some way to keep it. Uh, one big thing that I also feel like they didn't teach, and I learned this like recently, is sometimes you don't even have to. You don't have to make the best design. Like I've I've gotten paid like really good money to like make tough stuff that I wasn't proud of. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> because the, the, client, the client is like so much control of the project, and I just like I, when I see when it gets to that stage, I just give up. I'm like, you know what? We just do what you want. Yeah. But I'm never showing this to anyone. Yeah, exactly. Well, this is, I learned that one too. It's like, not everything has got to go in your portfolio. You don't have to be so emotionally attached to everything you design. You put in your portfolio the stuff you're most proud of. And, you know, sometimes it's stuff that is independent. And that's the the beauty, I think, of this generation too, whereas my, I don't know how you feel about this, but I think now independent projects get a lot more respect than they did when I first graduated. So. For me personally, like Art Pays Me is my personal project. And yeah. I get way more respect for Art Pays Me than I do for just any client work that I've done. So, I, I know what I think it's because uh, a lot of people know that when it comes to the personal projects, like you're actually like trying and putting your efforts. Because mm. if you're not like, when I do my own personal stuff, like they had like, I don't, they had no like nobody's on my neck. Like I, I have a lot of freedom. I can like actually like speak through my work. Mm-hmm. Because when there's like like I work for a company now, so like there's a lot of like restrictions. Like we like I I created like a like a brand booklet that we have to follow, and I kind of have to follow the booklet since I created it. Mm-hmm. And there's like all the restrictions. We like we work with a marketing team, so it's when you make something it's like oh we can't do this in Quebec. Like mm-hmm. this is not how we do stuff in Quebec, right? Mm-hmm. Marketing like the marketing like has like a lot of control over it. They're like oh we can't do that. Like that says something else in marketing language. Mm-hmm. So. You don't have all those restrictions when you do your own personal stuff. So yeah. I feel like it kind of affects like the way the work looks. Like even like a lot of the work that I do now for like for work is like very, very like it's it's still creative, but it's very, very structured. Like it has to look a certain way. It's yeah. like like we did we did a billboard design the other day and the company that was printing it, like they sent us these like booklets and they were super specific how they wanted this billboard to look. Mm. So it kind of made the, the job easier anyways, but right. it can be kind of like limits like your creativity in, in certain ways. Right, right. So if there's any piece of advice you would give, uh, well, since you kind of exist between the world of art and design, I, I would, I guess, preface it that way, any artist or designer, like, is there any advice you'd give them? Uh, advice in one sense. Um. Like say one big takeaway that you've taken from your career that sticks out to you that you're like, you know what, if I was coming out of school right now, this is the thing I would do. Or, or did we cover that already? Um, you know, what? I, I, I think the main thing for me is like just a lot of patience. You just have to exercise patience. Like a lot of people like, and I, and I kind of understand it where it's like, say you have like a family already, you like want to make money quickly. If you actually want to like succeed from what I from my experience so far, you kind of have to like exercise patience. Like you, ha- it has to be. It's a kind of patience where it's like you do it like 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 you have no sense. Like mm. you just you just like you just have to chill. 
that's 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 what I find like you you, you don't because when you rush like I feel like you miss a lot of opportunities like people will find you if you like just keep doing what you're doing you like that's why I kind of make sure that I don't allow the quality of my work to suffer especially mm. if I'm doing work for someone I didn't know that a lot a lot of people are going to see that I kind of you want to make sure that your work is always like up to like a certain standard yeah if when people see that I've seen like really bad designs and then I ask the person who did it and they tell me they told me the name of designer right mm-hmm. now well, there's one more person that knows that even though you're not a bad designer but you did like one bad work yeah now there's this person that thinks that you're a bad designer so I think patience for me is like the like the biggest takeaway and one big thing that has like really helped me is like constant practice like mm. That three sixty five project was like really really helpful. Like that like took me to like next level because yeah. that was the first time that I had to like do something consistently. So I got to the stage where I began to see a pattern. Like there was a week. I remember there was a week in April where for five straight days I was using the the only colors I used were like red and blue. Mm-hmm. It wasn't intentional, but I just noticed it and I had to like change up. So after that, I kind of like set like uh, new goals where I wanted, I decided, you know what? I want every single day to look absolutely different. Mm. I don't want to put two pictures side by side and they even have anything to do with each other. Right. Yeah. So a lot of like constant practice. Like I know a lot of people that are also designers where if when they don't have any jobs, like they just relax. They don't really like touch their computer. Like you need that practice. You need to keep learning. Like I, I'm always watching tutorials, mm. like that's when I learn stuff. And even some tutorials like are so difficult that you can't do exactly what the person is doing. But I've learned a lot of stuff from doing to, from just watching the tutorials. Like you learn stuff that you didn't even know existed right. on like this. So yeah, so practice and uh, patience. Nice. So yes. um, you have anything coming up that you want to promote? Uh no, not really. I'm just uh, uh co- oh, actually. I have, so I do have some stuff. <laughs> okay. uh, so I've, uh, I've kind of been taking it easy this uh, since this whole COVID thing started. Uh, I've been working from home, so that's kind of taking up most of my time. But in September, I'm coming back to Halifax. So I did, hopefully, we'll see what happens with COVID. They haven't canceled it yet. But at the library, I'm having like a two month exhibition for my 365 James Bond project. So nice. I'm working on it now. Yeah, so it's going to be on the fifth floor of the library. Uh, it's going to be there for September, October. So I'm really excited. I was going to do an opening night for it, but we'll see what happens. Mm-hmm. I don't know if there's going to be like restrictions or anything when things finally open up. Right. Yeah. Cool. So that's, that's what I have coming up. All right. Well, I have to stop by and check it out for sure. Um, so where, where can people find you online? Uh, so I'm usually on Instagram uh, at uh, Nigerian Expert. Uh, that's my Instagram, Instagram handle, or my Facebook is uh, Imano Obo. And uh, yeah, that's usual, those are usually the two main spots that I hang out. All right. Emmanuel, thank you for doing our Pays Me. I think this yeah, was. So yeah, this was enlightening. Um, funny because you didn't really say much of anything during the Atlantic Fashion Week thing. So I was, I was a little nervous that you wouldn't uh, speak. <laughs> <laughs> so, so the thing is a lot of the people that i met there like i've never i've never met them before like the only person that i knew was uh Fabian. Mm. like the other oh, sorry fabio like the other yes. everybody else, like i didn't i didn't know 
I didn't know who they were. And later on, I I I, I met her poverty. So I kind of I kind of know her now. Mm-hmm. But so when I don't know anyone there, I kind of like just keep my mouth shut and just observe. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, that's not a bad that's not a bad lesson. <laughs> I mean, not a bad <laughs> way to, to do things. I kind of like to do that too, because sometimes you gotta you gotta um survey the landscape because you overstep in the wrong way, sometimes you get in trouble. So Yes, and uh, I feel like uh, temperatures like matter a lot, so you want to make sure that uh, you don't. Because there's some people that I've met, I, the first time meeting them, I just thought, "Wow, this person sucks." But then you get to know them, and you're like, "Oh, this person, this person is actually really good." It's just that you just made a bad first impression. Right, right. Yeah. All right, cool. So, uh, yeah, thank you for doing our pays me, and no, um, thank you so much yeah, we'll be in touch. Okay. Thank you so much for listening to the Art Pays Me podcast. Thank you to Lange Beats for the theme music. If you got anything out of this show, please rate, review, and subscribe on whatever platform you're listening on. The more you do this, the more reach the podcast gets, and the more artists I can help learn to make a living at what they love. If you want to know more about what I do, hit me up at artpaysme.com or at ArtPaysMe on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, and Pinterest. See y'all next time.